Hey, this is Wyatt from realisticpreparedness.com, and today we're going to spend a few minutes talking about sanitation in survival situations. Now, we've touched on different pieces of this recently, but with this podcast, we're going to pull all of those pieces together into a unified plan. Now, I know that this is not the most glamorous topic imaginable, but maybe that's one of the reasons that it is so often gets overlooked when people are getting prepared for emergency situations. No one really wants to think about the toilets not working, piles of dirty laundry on the floor, and a sink that's filled up with dirty dishes. But after something like an earthquake, a flood, or other large-scale disaster, this is a common reality. Something as simple as downed power lines or a busted water main can have a huge effect on life at your home. Now, of course, anytime something like this happens... There are folks from the utility companies working to fix the problems as fast as they can, and with common power outages, they can often get everything up and running again in a few hours. This is only true, though, because they've got a relatively small area with an outage, and the utility company can send all the people it needs to focus on getting that subdivision or that city block up and running again right away. When a winter storm blows in and a few days of cold, icy weather start snapping power lines all over town, well... Now you're going to have to wait a while until those repair crews can get to you. And the bigger the scale of a problem, the longer you can expect to wait. What we're going to talk about today is how a little planning and preparation beforehand can make something like a a 3, 5, or 7 day wait much more bearable. And the same things that will get you ready for one week scale up to whatever level you're comfortable with. Well, we've talked about putting a first aid kit together before, so I'm not going to go back through all that information now. But if that information is something that you need, just swing by the website and you can check it out there. Uh, There's relevant information in the podcast section, reviews, and downloads. But that said, there are some key items in your kit that are going to come in handy. Things like gloves, anti-diarrhea medications, topical antibiotics, and wound coverings. We're going to want to take care of cleaning and covering small wounds right away so they don't become big problems later. Also... The gloves can certainly be used to keep your hands clean in all kinds of non-first aid situations. If you went out and bought a store-bought first aid kit and there's only one pair of gloves, that's something that you really ought to consider fixing. Most stores will sell medical gloves by the box. You can get them at Walgreens, Walmart. A lot of grocery stores have them. They've got a big kind of medical section, so not that hard to find. But one pair of gloves really isn't going to go very far. You're going to want to have a box. Now, for an example of when these gloves could come in handy, let's say that uh, sewage-contaminated floodwaters deposited the body of a dead dog on your front lawn. I'd really suggest putting on some gloves before dealing with it. And remember, when the the big-eyed little boy from next door comes over and says, Mister, excuse me, have you seen my dog? In addition to the most honest answer of, Yeah, kid, his corpse washed up on my front lawn, but it was so bloated and matted with filth, I really wasn't even sure it was a dog until I saw the collar. I threw his nasty carcass in a shallow grave at the back corner of my lot by the red ferns. Other possible answers do include, you know what, Timmy? I really don't think I've seen him running around here recently. Now, that might seem like a really horrible situation to be in, but in disasters, bad things like that happen. Those kinds of things can be a reality. So a little bit of planning now makes it a lot easier to deal with them when you're kind of stuck. Now, speaking of dealing with problems, plenty of trash bags would be a good idea. I'd suggest getting some of the contractor trash bags. You can either buy these online or at your local hardware store. I know the local Home Depot has them, Lowe's has them. 
Uh, there are about a hundred different uses for these, and they really are worth an extra few bucks if you're going to have to clean up, bag, and store anything unpleasant. Especially if it might be a while until the next trash truck drives by to pick up your waste. Common tools like a shovel and work gloves make sense as well. Also, for nasty work, you can put on the nitrile gloves from your first aid kit and then put work gloves on outside of that. This way your hands are protected by both the durable outer layer of the work gloves and the protective inner layer of the nitrile gloves. And if you're having to deal with something really nasty, when you're done, you can always throw the work gloves in the trash because hopefully you have more than one pair. Well, your biggest concern though from a sanitation standpoint is finding a source of clean water for drinking and washing. Contaminated water can end up being a leading cause of death after a disaster that people start being exposed to things like cholera and typhoid. As we're finding a source of water, it makes sense to store a little clean water around the house. It doesn't really take that much space to keep a few one-gallon or five-gallon jugs stashed away. If you've got a water cooler in your kitchen that runs off of those big refillable five-gallon bottles, nothing wrong with keeping an extra couple of bottles in the garage. And then when a new bottle comes in, you can just rotate. Take one of the older bottles, put that in the kitchen. That way you always have couple of bottles in reserve. If you want to store a lot of water, uh, there's a product called Water Bob. Uh, it's just a big plastic bag, basically, that goes in the bathtub. You can fill it up with about 100 gallons of water, depending on the size of your tub, and then it has a little hand pump for getting that water out when you need it. The only trick here is that you need to go through and fill it up before the disaster comes, but if there's a hurricane bearing down on you, something like that, you've got some warning. It's kind of a neat little product. Not too expensive. Also, your hot water heater, if you've turned the valve off to cut it off from the outside lines to avoid potential contamination, you can have 55 gallons of water stored there, depending on the size of your hot water heater. If you have a well, make sure there is a way to get water out of it if you have an electric pump that normally pulls water out of the well. If the electricity's off for some reason, make sure that you've got a backup so that you can get water. Another option might be somewhat clean water from a river, a pond, or a lake, a swimming pool, something along those lines. This should still be treated before drinking it, even if it looks clean and it probably isn't polluted. If your only option is to work with potentially contaminated water, you really want to take some serious steps as to both filter the water and then treat it with chemicals or boil it. There are three main ways to make water drinkable, boiling, adding chemicals, or filtering. None of them are perfect. Boiling won't remove some of the contaminants that a good filter will take out. Chemicals don't really do anything to get rid of all the floaties that could be in the water, and some of those little solid particles can actually help shelter little nasty things from getting killed by the chemicals that you're adding. Filters, on the other hand, do a great job of getting just about everything out of the water, except for tiny stuff like viruses that can sneak through the small holes in the filter with the water. Now, virus contamination of water is not really a big worry in the United States, but in a disaster situation, if you're dealing with busted sewer lines, all bets are off. Now, some water filters do have like an, an antiviral cartridge you can add on to it, but you can accomplish the same thing on your own with a little bleach or a little bit of iodine added to the water afterwards. How much you add depends on how much water you're treating. Now, you also want a way to make hot water. This can be as simple as just putting a kettle on the gas stove and heating water up if the stove's still working. Or you could keep a large pot to use on a wood stove in the backyard. 
This will give you a hot water for cleaning, cooking, and bathing. It can also be a backup system for purifying water if you're using your filter as your first option. As far as washing is concerned, just stock up on advance on supplies like soap, shampoo, toothpaste, any feminine hygiene products your family needs. This can actually save you money if you just buy extra when these items go on sale. If a grocery store is having a sale and they have one of these as a loss leader, they're running it on a front page for you know cheaper than it could possibly cost them to buy it just to get you on the store, that's really when you want to stock up. As always, we can rotate these kinds of products. So when you buy a new tube of toothpaste, get the oldest tube of toothpaste out of the back, so that way you've got a constantly rotating supply. Now for getting clean, one easy option is to make a bucket shower. The simplest way to do this is to have someone pour a bucket of water over your head once to get you good and wet, then you soap up, and then you get a second slow pour give you a chance to rinse all the soap off. There are lots of other options out there. If you spend a few minutes searching online for camping showers, there's just a ton of different options. Uh, there are multiple companies out there that make gas-powered hot water heating showers. You can get ones powered by wood. There are even some solar-powered options where it's basically a, a black, heavy plastic bag. You can fill up with water, hang out in the sun. The sun will warm up the water on the inside and even has a little nozzle for rinsing off. So... Just depending upon your particular situation, lots of choices there. Now, what about bathroom needs? Well, if the pipes leaving your house are still working, but you just don't have any water pressure, just take the lid off the top of the toilet tank and keep a mop bucket full of water in the bathroom next to it. This obviously doesn't have to be drinking water. If you're in a situation where you really need to conserve water, then it can be gray water. This is water that's been used to wash your hands or rinse off dishes. It's not really clean anymore, but it's not filthy dirty. It's easy to reuse this for flushing duty. Each bucket full of water will give you a few flushes worth of toilet tank refills. Now if the toilet's empty and there's no water, one option is to turn off the water valve and then just put a trash bag in the bowl. When the trash bag gets full enough, just swap it out for an empty one. Or you can get an emergency toilet like the uh, Luggable Lou made by Reliance, which we reviewed a while back. Nice thing about that setup is that it's basically a bucket with a toilet seat lid and cover that snap on the top. We keep one stashed away in our garage since it gives you a place to store a set of bathroom supplies like toilet paper, trash bags, hand sanitizer, all together in one place. I, just, I like the convenience of having a grab-and-go solution for bathroom needs and not having to hunt around for toilet paper in an emergency situation where I might be dealing with the side effects of unscheduled dietary changes. I guess that would make it an emergency during an emergency, which is twice as bad. Well, no matter what. If you're doing your business in a bag, it helps to throw in a handful of cat litter or sawdust or dirt from the garden after you're done, not just for visual appeal, but also to keep the smell down. Now, if you're playing for a long-term situation or you're somewhere remote, one option is to basically make your own outhouse. This can be as simple as digging a hole or a trench somewhere outside and putting up a tarp or a low wall of contractor trash bags cut in half for some privacy. Just make sure to dig deep enough that you can use the same hole for a while and keep it away from water sources. You don't want to be contaminating your drinking water or what might be drinking water for the people downstream. Also, keep the dirt from the hole that you dug next to the hole itself with a small shovel or a trowel, and that way you can cover up your business a little bit when you're done. This goes a long way toward keeping the smell and also bugs away. One thing, though, do make sure that no matter what you're doing, that there's a sink of some kind set up next to your bathroom. 
this can be soap and water with some paper towels, or it could be hand sanitizer, but keeping your family's hands clean is one of the keys to not getting sick during one of these emergencies. I'd also clean my hands after coming into contact with other people, or after coming in from outside as well. Now, as for laundry, there's a few choices. Uh, the Scrubba is a portable wash bag that we reviewed recently, and it works surprisingly well. It's the best option I'm aware of for giving you the ability to, to quickly wash your socks and underwear while traveling, or when space is at a premium. You could actually roll this up and stick it down inside your, uh, your go bag, your bug out bag, your trunk bag of your car. If you're putting together a, just a backup option for around the house or the cabin, though, you can always use the plunger and bucket setup. Basically, you get a bucket and a toilet plunger. If you want to get fancy, you can drill a hole in the top of the bucket, snap the hole, and then plunge right down through the center of the hole. If you want to get the best effect out of your plunger, uh, drill some holes in the top or cut some slits in it so that you're kind of forcing water through, but you're not really trying to, to plunge your clothes like a clogged toilet. The plunger is just moving the water back and forth, pushing the soap down through the fibers of the clothes, acting like the agitator in your washing machine. It'll also make it so that you can wash your clothes with a lot less work on your part. A few minutes with your plunger and bucket for your wash cycle. Drain the water out. Use the plunger to wring out the clothes as best you can. Add some clean water. Plunge for a few more minutes for your rinse cycle. Easy way to wash your clothes. As for drying, the best option here is just get some rope and put up a clothesline. Uh, one nice thing, a little trick if you're worried about windy days blowing your clothes off the clothesline, and you don't have clothespins, wrap the far end of the clothesline kind of around itself, then head back so that you've got a double clothesline. And if you put your clothes in between those two pieces of rope, if you've got them good and taut, or you knot them at intervals so they'll stay together, they'll kind of pinch against your clothes. And when the wind tries to blow your shirt off the line, they'll actually blow it just kind of from one clothesline onto the other one. Works surprisingly well. Well, what about food preparation and dirty dishes? Those kinds of concerns. For short-term situations, paper plates and plastic cups and spoons are an easy fix, but they do generate a lot of waste that's going to smell like food. So make sure you've got a way to deal with all that trash that won't attract insects or animals. For a longer-term solution, an easy thing to do is just keep three buckets in the garage and set them up like a restaurant kitchen. Wash the dishes in one, rinse them off in the second one, and then sanitize them in the third bucket. To make a sanitizing solution for the third bucket, there are little purpose-made chlorine tablets that you throw in and then they dissolve. Or you can just add Clorox to the water. One tablespoon per gallon generally take care of it. Just let the dishes soak for a few minutes in the solution before drying them, and you ought to be in good shape. Now what about dealing with waste disposal? Well, it just makes sense to sort your garbage. You want a bag for your clean recyclables. By clean, we're talking about no food particles or smells that might attract bugs or animals. These are things like empty cardboard boxes. These items can be bagged up and stored in the garage or in the basement until things clear up, and then they can be disposed of. Vegetable matter, anything that's like food waste, can be thrown into the compost pile. Now, there are two main ways of composting. There's the traditional composting and there's worm composting. Traditional composting is in the backyard. Worm composting can be done under the kitchen sink, in the basement, or even on an apartment balcony. Uh, it is something worth looking to if you're not familiar with it. 
A little bit of research on composting though. Not everything composts well, and if you want a compost pile that works and doesn't smell funny, you do need to kind of keep a balance. You're going to want to mix in some grass clippings, some leaf litter. There are some options depending on where you live and what you have available, but there is a little bit of little bit of an art to it, keeping everything balanced, having it run really, really well. Benefit though is you will end up with a really good soil additive to your garden. Now what about the stinky stuff though? This thing should be double bagged. These are the dirty diapers, meat scraps, oils or fats from cooking, bloody band-aids, anything along those lines that you would not want to put into a compost pile and you can't really easily bag up and store for a long period of time. Well this stuff needs to be stored somewhere where the animals and bugs can't get to it. Your trash can is the obvious choice. And if you do a good job with sorting everything out, you'll be surprised at how long it'll take to fill up since you aren't having to make room for pizza boxes and takeout containers. Now if this starts to pile up, burning it is an option, but you do have to make a big enough of a fire to burn everything as thoroughly as possible and then bury anything that didn't burn. Also, it's a good idea to not set your house or the woods on fire while you're at it because people never have a sense of humor about that kind of thing. Well, which of these options you're going to go with really depends on your specific situation. But hopefully today we gave you some things to think about and get you headed in the right direction. As always, we plan and prepare so we don't have to worry about problems, not so that we can worry about them. And you can find more about this and other related topics at realisticpreparedness.com. So take care and we'll talk to you soon.